1: This is the Heart, Soul, and Hustle podcast, episode number 130, and on this episode, we're talking to Tash Corbin about how to crush it with live events, so stay tuned. Hey there, you're listening to the Heart, Soul, and Hustle podcast. My name is Zach Spuckler, and on this show, we talk about how to go from passionate side hustler to full-time online business owner with tips, tricks, and interviews to help you take it to the next level. Let's do it. What 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 is up hard hustlers welcome to another episode of the heart soul and hustle podcast Now i'm really stoked because I took a little break from the podcast and i'm going to be talking about that in a couple weeks When i'm going to be interviewed uh, Personally on my own podcast by a good friend of mine who's going to Pull all the details out of me, and um, I I will give you more information on that soon. But for now, I wanted to introduce you to Tash Corbin, who's a good friend of mine that I met several years ago when I was invited to speak at her conference down in Australia. Now, I've now been to Australia multiple times to speak at Tash's conference where she brings in amazing speakers, people you've definitely heard of like Denise Duffield Thomas, Mike McCollowitz myself. Um, she brings amazing speakers to her Women in Business conference in Australia where she empowers women to create massive success in their business. Now, what's really amazing is that Tash has curated these events that are intimate yet large and small yet big it's 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 incredible to see and and i could go on and on about it but i think the best way to introduce you to how incredible these events and this woman is is to simply introduce you to my good friend tash corbin hey tash thanks so much for being on the show today
2: thanks so much for having me zach
1: Well, I am stoked to have you on the show because you are like responsible for my world traveler adventures and people who are (laughs) fans of the show or follow me on Instagram saw that I was in Australia recently. And that's because I was at your event, which we're going to talk about today. But I just have to dote on you for a second because you have put together such an incredible conference. You have such an incredible business. You've done so many amazing things, especially um in the space that is australia but you know the space that is the world even too um before i get ahead of myself why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business
2: yeah for sure so um I am a business mentor. I specialize in helping women in business with sales and marketing and making money online. That's what we're here for. Um, And I'm also the curator of the Heart Centred Business Conference. So it's a conference that we run in Australia. We run it every year now. And really, it's creating a beautiful space for women to come together and learn amazing marketing strategy and get, I like to say, we get face-to-face, heart-to-heart and belly-to-belly. (laughs) I love it.
1: Well, your conference was absolutely amazing. And uh, my partner, Simon, and I actually had the opportunity to come out to your conference, just in March, uh, which thank you so much for having us. We were like the honorary men in the room, because I think we were, (laughs) we were two of three, right?
2: Correct. Yeah. yeah. My partner, David, comes and then you and Simon come. You're the three dudes amazing. in the room. Yeah,
1: Absolutely <laughs> love it. It's such an amazing event. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that event and how it came to be?
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think if we go back to when I first started my business in 2013, I knew that I needed to incorporate going to events as part of my model of growing my business. And I did that because one, I'm like a raging extrovert and sitting on my own at my desk for my business is, you know, it starts to make me a little crazy. Sometimes I have a mm-hmm. cup holder that's shaped like an owl and I talk to him all the time. So <laughs> I knew I needed to get face to face with real people. And one of the things I loved about my corporate roles before starting my business was going to conferences and learning. And I'm like such a lifelong learner kind of person. And I had this secret dream that I would run a giant conference for women in business. And Um, I actually, at the time I was saying I was going to run it in Hawaii because that's so exotic to us Australians. Like, let's go to the States, let's go to Hawaii and run a conference. But what I realized was that we don't actually get good caliber speakers to Australia often it is a long way for people to travel and it would be great to create a big event in our own backyard and so we started the Heart Centre Business Conference in 2017 and really that event is just one of the events that I run I also do speaking tours and um, i speak at other people's events and all those sorts of things as well. And for me, there's just something really magical and powerful about being in the room with someone and to be able to create a high-quality event that has no selling from the stage and where we can just really show up for ourselves and our businesses It's just, it's a total life changer. And I'm so glad that we've been able to do it. And, you know, now we've, we opened the tickets for 2020 at the 2019 conference and we've almost sold out like this type of event clearly is something that's in demand for people uh, here in Australia. And we have people come from all around the world for this conference now, which is super exciting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's so great. And I love that you say like you have this big vision for doing that and We've talked to a few different people on the show recently where that's like a common trending theme is that they have this vision for where they want their business to go when they started. And that's how you kind of realize those dreams. And now this is your third conference coming up in 2020 and you've almost sold out, which is just amazing. So can you talk to us a little about how you kind of started moving from the idea of having a vision for a conference to cultivating an audience of people that would be excited to get there.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to um, just like, I just want to say like one big point here is that for the first two times that I ran this conference, I didn't make a profit from it. And I knew that starting something that would have a huge investment up front like a conference would probably not be 100% profitable from the get-go. I had this vision for creating this conference. It was it was a project of love. It was, uh, I have a Facebook community of women in business and we had hit about 12,000 members when talk of this conference started to like really bubble up to the surface amongst my audience. And they were saying, we need to get together. We love each other so much. Tash, you should put on a conference so that we can all hang out together. But I knew at that point, in time that my business wasn't profitable enough to carry a conference. It wasn't profitable enough for me to be able to say, well, if it's not profitable, that's okay because my business can carry it. So I was very mindful to wait to run this conference until I knew that even if it made a loss, it wouldn't be super damaging to my business. It wouldn't send me into a spiral of panic. It wouldn't make me freak out that, oh, my God, where's the next dollar coming from? I can't pay my speakers or anything along those lines. So profitability um, and being in my regular business and being able to actually host this conference without it sending me into panic mode was a really important part of my decision-making about when to actually say yes and pull the trigger on this thing. So um, the Facebook community was definitely where I built up my audience to be coming along to this conference. And my Facebook group actually grew really organically. I started it back in 2014 and I didn't start it for it to be part of my business model. I started that Facebook group because the groups that I was in Kind of once they got to like a thousand or two thousand members, they went one of two ways. Either they became really spammy and everyone was just like chucking promos in them and it became this craziness of just everyone's trying to yell over the top of each other and no one's actually talking to each other. Or the facilitator of the group would get like so overwhelmed by it all, they would just shut down any talk of business. You, if you gave a hint that you had a business, I was like, no, no promos. You can't promo yourself. No, you can't promo yourself. And it became like this really hyper-controlled thing. So I was in a couple of groups where we were there to support each other as entrepreneurs, but we had to pretend we didn't have a business almost, and it felt... Really bizarre. So, I wanted to create a community where women in business in particular could come together, talk about their businesses, promote themselves, but do it in a way that was uh, really structured and felt like it was a conversation. It felt like it was, we're here for more than just promoting our businesses. And so, um, I remember we got to about 850 members, and I had seen these other groups go just really astray once they'd hit a thousand members so I was deleting members out of the group every day it's like I don't know that person I'll just delete them so that we didn't go over a thousand members because I was really freaked out that my group would go the same way but uh, actually it I couldn't keep control of it and it just grew beyond what i could actually um stop i couldn't delete people fast enough and so i decided well it's going to grow it's going to do its own thing like i didn't have ads running to it it's been completely organic growth and um still to this day completely organic growth and uh yeah it's we've we've had some ups and downs with the group but Ultimately, I've been very clear on creating that same balance for everyone the whole time. And uh, so this group has just continued to grow. We've got 31,000 members now and it's just absolutely beautiful. So, of course, I I had this beautiful audience of people. There's about 60% of people in that group from Australia. So I had this group of beautiful women who were in business, who were really engaged in this community And the conference reflects the group. It's not about me. It's not the Tash Corbin show. It is about the community. This is an opportunity for these women to get together in the context of learning great strategy and growing their businesses and also connecting with each other. Because that group is not about me. It's not the Tash show either. It is about the community and what people are getting from each other in that space.
1: I love that. And you said two things that I think are so important, which is like, the, the, I think what people need to realize is that generally speaking, the front end of conferences are not these massively profitable things. And I've heard Mm. that before from other people in the industry, which is like a lot of times the revenue from a conference comes from what you're offering after the conference, or if you're moving into a mastermind or if you have something Mm. that you are selling from stage, which one of the things I love about the heart centered business conference is that they're you're not sell really selling anything from the stage other than tickets for the next event. So people's guards are down and they're just there to have a good time. And it's really, it's really incredible what you've done. And so you've said like, this is an important mission for my business. Mm. And so I'm okay with it not being massively profitable. And I think that people need to realize it's okay to have missions in your business that aren't all about profit.
2: Mm, Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. It definitely creates a lot of trust for with my audience, I do have like people joining my startup program once conference is done, but that's why I was really mindful about the way that I created this conference. Because when you're not allowing selling from the stage, you have to pay your speakers. You have to pay them quite well in order for it to make sense for them to come and speak at your conference if there's not, you know, this big upsell um from the end you know from the end of the conference for them now we do promote our speakers and we tell everyone to go and follow them and stalk them on facebook and all those sorts of things and most of our speakers do find that they have a surge of followers after the conference but Like if you think about it, we had 105 people in the room at the conference just gone. There are way easier ways for you to get 105 followers on your Facebook page (laughs) than like getting out of the house and coming to an event. So we do need to pay our speakers really well and that's one of the reasons why um, the conference, you know, has taken this long to become profitable. But it is profitable now. But, yes, it is this mission. It is this service. It's an an act of love um, for my business. And it doesn't derail my business as well, because whilst, you know, I, I agree, it's not always just about the money. I also don't want to be sending my other business where I'm, you know, I am trying to create that big profit margin. I don't want to send that business into panic and overdrive. And I've seen people do this where they've had this you know, big event that they want to put on and it's at the detriment of all of the other things of their business and, and I don't think a lot of people consider how much time and effort and energy goes into particularly marketing in-person events. And um, a, a friend of both of ours, Denise Duffel Thomas, she calls it the bra tax. Like you have, like you have to have a really big value proposition for people to want to put on a bra and leave the house. <laughs> and so. Um, you know, you really need to be mindful of that for any type of event, um, whether it be a two-hour workshop or a one-day intensive or like ours, an, a four-day conference, you have to be really mindful of will people actually get out of the house for this and how can I ensure that I've got the marketing plan and I've got the strategies in place to, to promote people coming and knowing that whenever I'm promoting conference, I'm not promoting my other stuff because I don't want to overwhelm people with like promo this, promo that, promo this, promo that. So, you know, I think it it takes a level of business maturity in your model to be able to, to do those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. And and I love that you say that because I have seen a lot of people that want to do events and like to be really candid, we're doing a, a one-day event in San Diego and like we have to create a whole marketing plan for it and it's just for 15. Yeah. Um our goal yeah. is to get 10 to 15 people in the door and we have to have a marketing plan. And we're running Facebook ads and we're emailing and we're doing all this stuff and we're doing that because we have automated systems in place for the business that are selling our other products because we have clients that are creating a cash flow consistency in our business. So we're not stressing mm-hmm. over filling that event. And it's just like you, we're, we have, um, oh my gosh, I wasn't going to share this, but we will share. Like, our goal with that event is not even to make money. Um, our yeah. goal with that event is that I'm out there uh, in San Diego apartment shopping. And by doing a live event, I can make my plane tickets a write off. And I can help really intimately help a few people in my audience, which is, I always love doing in a really small scale. I don't Mm -hmm. make millions of dollars. I probably won't even really, like, we'll break even on that event uh, for the Mm -hmm. trip. Like, that's the goal. And so I just love that you talk about, like, understanding profitability of events and realizing that it's okay to have ulterior motives, not in like the, you know, ulterior motives, but like, because it's a labor of love, because it makes sense for your business to meet with 10 to 15 people, because you just want to connect with a few people in your audience and take some great pictures for social media and your branding. Like all of those are okay reasons to have an event, but you have to have a level of business maturity to do it.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, particularly in startups, see, the likes of you and I doing these things. Cause I do the same thing when I'm traveling somewhere, if I can put an event on, I will. Um, and, you know, people see us doing that. And they think that that's where the business profitability comes from. They think, oh, I have to do that in order to be successful. But, you know, there are way easier ways to make money than live events. <laughs> like There really are. It is that labor of love. And, and I do it uh, for me as much as I do it for the people there in the room, because I do get that opportunity to spend time with, people in real life and I love nothing more than getting my hands on someone's business and talking about it and helping them see how they can shift the profitability how they can reach more people how they can convert more effectively with what they've already got that stuff is like my zone of genius and so I absolutely love and adore doing that. And I think also you're right, like it creates this FOMO factor, right? People get fear of missing out. And the next time you say you're doing a one day event somewhere, it will sell out instantly without you having to do that type of marketing. And then, you know, if you do it again, it's going to, like, it creates this momentum for itself. And then it does become a really easy way to bring in an influx of cash quickly, but it's not like that the first couple of times. Even as an established entrepreneur, the first time you put on any type of event, people are going to be wary and hesitant, and, oh, I didn't know you did those types of things. I'll put that on my wish list for next time. So, you know, there is this kind of a longer term game to doing the in-person events as well. And it does it does get easier. I'm not going to say like it's always a total mission. Like we're up to our third conference and we will now make a fifty dollars to $60,000 profit on the Heart Centre Business Conference. And that is absolutely awesome. And I know that a lot of people, you know, don't get to that level of profitability as quickly but, you know, it's, it's because we've fostered the community. We've made, it very, we've made our principles for this event very clear. No selling from the stage. We're not going to do fear-based marketing here. We're not going to have speakers just present two of their gold nuggets and then make you run to the back of the room and all of those fun things that you see at some of these events that are a lower-cost event. we wanted to create something where people could just sit and trust and bathe in the awesomeness that the speakers bring to the stage, and that is brilliant.
1: I just, I love this. And the other thing you said that's so important is that with events, it's, if you want this to become a staple piece of your business, that it is a long-term game.
2: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And And I think the other thing you were just saying as well is like you, you use Facebook ads for your events. So if you're not regularly using Facebook events for the rest of your business and you haven't got Facebook ads nailed, it's not as easy to go, okay, we'll roll out some Facebook ads and promote this to our warmer and hotter audiences. And if you don't have that stuff working in your business, then you don't have access to a lot of the tools that make events like this actually work.
1: Yeah, that's a great, great point that I didn't even think about is like, we, we have this big audience to reach into that we can just kind of, you know, and I've got the know-how to just kind of pop up and, and run some Facebook ads. But and that's the other thing is like, people also have this perception that if you've got Facebook ads, I've worked with clients and students and people who are like, I want to do a live event. And so I'll just fill it up with Facebook ads. And like, it doesn't work like that. Like we're not running Facebook ads to the world saying, come spend you know, X amount of dollars to hang out with me for a day and run your Facebook ads. We're running really strategic targeting campaigns to people in the area who are already in my audience that would be interested or have visited the sales page. And we have our targeting down, but you have to have a big enough audience and a a big enough know-how to actually do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we learned that lesson with our ads this time around for conference, the conference just gone because we'd never run ads for the conference before the first conference, zero ads. The second conference, um, which was this one just in March, we didn't start our Facebook ads until like eight weeks before the event. And we I'd never run ads to the page. We had about a 1,000 followers on the Facebook page, maybe 800. We'd never run ads to this page before. So it was a big experiment. And the only ads that worked were the really hot and warm audience ads. And for most people who were in that hot and warm audience, they'd already got their ticket. So, yeah. um, you know, they, I think we spent $3,000 on Facebook ads and sold three and a half thousand dollars worth of tickets like it wasn't a huge return on investment on those ads but we knew we had to get some ads rolling out so that we could use ads for the next time around and straight after this conference we ran some very low cost ads to our hot audiences promoting the next conference and they converted like crazy i think we only spent like $350 and we sold $13,000 worth of tickets so you know that we could then kind of reap the rewards of the work we've done pre-conference in learning about our audiences learning which ads were most effective and um, retargeting people who we knew would be interested So yeah, it's definitely a long-term game and you've got to learn this stuff. You've got to learn as you go. You don't get great at Facebook ads by sitting and theorizing about it. You have to get out there and actually put something in place, have some things that you're split testing, have some things that you're measuring Um, because no great business is built on theory. It's all implementation and practicing and taking action. Even if you know, it's not perfect.
1: Yes. And it's so key to realize that doing these events and doing these things, it is about having an audience of really hot people because people don't just stumble upon, generally speaking, I mean, I say that, but I have had an event where someone's like, I saw your event and I signed up. But 99% of the time, the people coming to these events are your die-hard fans. And so you yeah. have to do the stuff that creates die-hard fans. You have to put out regular content and you have to, Create really great webinars, and you have to put on really amazing challenges, and that's stuff that you do very well. Tash, you you put on amazing webinars that are like the best that people have seen. You do these challenges that create real results for people.
2: Yeah, uh, that's definitely a big principle behind my business, and I have this um, I have this policy. Whenever I do something free it's usually in order to launch something, right? So I'm running, I run webinars pretty much every month and they're launching something or I'm upselling people into something from that webinar. But my goal is to have every single person who goes to that webinar, regardless of whether they purchase from me or not, Feel like they have invested their time really wisely and feel like they can step away and implement something that creates significant change in their business. And so, you know, I've seen coaches out there who will say, like, the people who don't buy aren't your people, so don't worry about them. Just focus on the people who are going to buy. And for me, I am I have a much more long-term approach to the way that I build my community and the way that I treat my audience. I'm, I, I like to call the other way the burn and churn, whereas mine is like the slow nurture. And my average time for someone coming onto my mailing list and signing up to work with me is probably longer than other people but at the same time, my drop-off rate in my audience is super tiny. And I, you know, see all of these stories that people share in average industry averages of unsubscribe rates. Mine are nothing like that. And then what that does is it sets up this amazing culture within my community and this amazing kind of snowball effect. Because every time I share a webinar or every time I share a challenge, I will have Hundreds and hundreds of people commenting, going, "Oh my god, your webinars are always so amazing!" I've got my pen and paper ready. I'm there, and um, you can't buy that kind of feedback. You can't buy that type of social proof, and yeah, you know, that's why I survived so long in business without doing any Facebook ads. Like even to this day, I think I've spent under twenty five thousand dollars on Facebook ads in my entire life of my business and I've made over a million dollars in the years that I've been on business I think I'm about to hit 1.5 million (laughs) dollars it's like I don't really know how I've done this without Facebook ads but ultimately it comes back to that principle and that belief that if I create amazing results for people regardless of whether they buy from me or not that I have no fear about that converting into A good portion of those people coming to work with me and and my webinars get like a six to seven percent conversion rate into my takeoff program and when I do webinars to promote my academy I'm getting like eight nine percent conversion rate on my webinars and you know that's kind of unheard of and I definitely don't get that with cold audiences but because I have such a thriving and growing warm audience uh, you know, I do get these amazing conversion rates and that feels so good. Like, yeah, I'd much rather do it that way. And it feels really good to me. And I, I, it feels like it's really aligned to my values. And that's really important for me in my business as well.
1: Yeah, and you're speaking to this trend that people are starting to realize that, like, they don't just want content, they want value and they want results. And mm-hmm. you have to be constantly building your warm audience. Like, we, um, what we've seen... For us is that our, our funnels and things do amazingly well with warm audiences, um, but they don't do as well with cold audiences. And that's not this revolutionary new idea. It's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe people who like me are more likely to buy from me, right? Go figure. But <laughs> there's something to be said about always warming that audience and doing what you said, which is creating a culture. Creating a culture mm. of what people can come to expect from you. And and it doesn't have to be as complicated as you know, sitting down and outlining your values and then creating a mission statement and having the perfect about me page. It's, you put out a podcast every week and people know, hey, this podcast is going to bring me value. That's creating culture. It's doing a webinar where people know, hey, if I stay till the end, I'm actually going to get my question answered. That's creating a culture. So it's doing things to build the warm audience and then nurture them in a way that they come to expect lots of good stuff from you and then when it's time to buy, they want nothing but but to pull out their credit cards and say, yes, I want to continue working with you. And they want to support your business.
2: Yes, exactly. And it does create that sense of, you know, they know me, they can feel that they're connected to me. And like, I really do genuinely care about their results as well. Because, you know, when I talk about my Facebook community, there's 31,000 women in there. There's going to be a small percentage of people in that community that do pay me and do work with me at some point in time in their business journey. But the majority of people there won't ever spend a cent with me. But that's not why I created that group. I created that group because I want women to succeed as entrepreneurs. And I know one of the ways that you do that is surround yourself with people who've got your back who want you to succeed and who can help you and support you through that journey. And you know, a lot of people get freaked out even in my community because we have other business coaches come and join and they're you know, talking about their business mentoring and their business coaching and they offer services that might seem similar to mine. And people are like, aren't you like going to shut them down? Like You're letting the competition promote themselves in your community. I'm like, well, actually, I can't serve everyone who's here and I'm not for everyone who's here. And I would much rather everyone in this community succeed than me try and control who's allowed to succeed and who isn't. And um, I love there's a saying, a rising tide lifts all ships. And we are seeing this huge feminine evolution and revolution happening. And particularly in the online business world, women are starting to be at the forefront of business strategy. and creating these amazing businesses and I'm really excited by that and I want this community to benefit from that and I want everyone to do really well and that genuine desire for everyone to succeed I think just comes across in everything that I do and so there is this sense of like we're here to collaborate, we're not here to compete and If you would like me to be your mentor, then here's how we can do that together. So the other thing I want to say is like, I'm not shy to tell people how they can work with me. And that's, that's like, I see a lot of people who... They don't want to be like this pushy, aggressive, salesy person. So they kind of bounce to the other end of the spectrum and they don't actually tell people how they can work with you um, and how you can pay them money. And I'm not like that at all. So I'm very clear on how people can work with me. I talk about the next steps and how people can work with me. I'm not shy about that. But I do it in a way where I'm speaking to the people for whom this is a fit right now. I'm not trying to convince everybody in the room that they should buy it. And that's, I think, a different energy as well.
1: And there's two big things there that I think are worth noting, which is number one, you, you completely dish what we like to call the scarcity mindset of like, well, if somebody else gets a client, then I don't get that client. And that's really not how it works. If somebody else gets that client that client probably still buys another course product program or works with another coach. And that could be you, or there's another client out there. And it's so important to realize that you're not losing clients by letting your community win. That's just, Mm -hmm. that's so key. And then the other thing that you said was you're not shy to share how people can work with you. And I think. So many people think like, well, if I sell or I I offer too much that people aren't going to like me. But the reality is when you're doing what you're doing, which is providing value and creating a community and lifting everyone up together, it's just an opportunity to say yes or no, but people know they'll be supported either way.
2: Yeah. And they'll feel amazing either way as well. So I'm not... I'm not one to make people feel, if you don't buy this thing from me, if you don't get my help, you won't ever succeed. I'm not one of those people. And I just, I don't use like that always and never type of language I'm really mindful that I empower people in the sales process rather than disempower them. So whether they purchase me from me or not, they will feel confident that they can go forward and create results in their business. They'll feel excited about being an entrepreneur and they'll feel like they have some knowledge of what their next steps are, regardless of whether those next steps are with me or not. But I'm very clear on what the next steps are if they do choose to work with me. So that's, yeah, that's, what is aligned to my values, that feels good for me. And it's helped me overcome those wobbles around being a salesperson. You know, it's helped me overcome my own resistance to marketing. Even though I've been a business geek since I was like eight or nine years old, I'm like obsessed with businesses and having my own business and making money. And like I got in trouble for being money hungry when I was a kid and all those (laughs) sorts of things. So, you know, I, I did have a lot of resistance to selling myself and selling my services when I first started my business. But the way that I overcame that was not by like getting cranky at myself and forcing myself to do things that didn't feel right to me. It was by finding a model of selling that feels really super aligned to how I want to show up and what I feel comfortable doing and that also works. And so that's how I've created my business.
1: That's incredible. And I think that's worth noting is like, you know, sometimes you can... You can have a sales process that's in alignment with what feels good, but, and I'll, I'll say but, and maybe you can push back a little bit <laughs> or not, but <laughs> you're not afraid to sell and you're not afraid to tell people they can buy from you. And I think that there is almost sometimes this in-between place where people are like, well, selling doesn't feel good to me, so I'm not going to sell. I'm just going to give lots of value and people will find me. That, I don't I don't think that's what you're saying. I think what you're saying is, Give lots of value and then say, here's where to enter your credit card if you want to continue this journey with me. But either way, I've shown you the first couple steps.
2: Absolutely. And you've got to make it obvious. I, you know, there are times when I find someone online and I'm like, oh my God, this person looks amazing. And then I go to their Facebook page and I just can't find any information about how I can give them money. And so you won't often have that problem with me. You definitely... <laughs> Will be able to find out how to give me money Um, so no I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you there it's not about just like give value give value and people will magically ask you how do I give you money no I've become really good at selling in a way that feels good for me so I'm not shy about sharing my services but I share the way that people can work with me in a way that feels very aligned to my values and um and but it's still very obvious like people need to hear it from you multiple times and they need to hear it in a very clear way and so i'm very clear on how i do that and how i communicate the value that people get when they work with me and yes where they can put their credit card details in order to get that value and sign up with me no i'm definitely not shy about um telling people how they can pay me money that's cool
1: Love that! So we've covered a lot of really amazing stuff, from live events to positioning yourself to you know empowering people in the sales process. But if people are listening to this episode and are like, "I really want the one big takeaway, the actionable takeaway," um, what do you think that would be?
2: I would say an opportunity to connect is not a lost opportunity to sell, and um, you know if you're going to be building a business take a long-term view of things. It's all a practice. You can experiment with things and have fun with things and you can make money along the way. And so if you focus on creating those connections with people and really growing a sense of community around what you're here doing, then ultimately you can't fail at business. It might take a little longer than other people or it might just like blow up and go crazy. But if you just have fun and experiment with it then and, and, and connect with people, then it'll never be lonely and you'll always, always succeed.
1: Mm, love that. Experiment and connect. And those are some of the uh, values that we have at Harsel and Is like connect with great people and don't be afraid to experiment. So, so great. Uh, Tash, it's been absolutely incredible having you on the show. For those who adore you, love you, and are like, yes, more please. Where can they go to find out more?
2: Yeah, for sure. So my website is tashcorbin.com. And uh, I would love for people, ladies, for the ladies to come and join the Heart Centered Soul Driven Entrepreneurs community. We're on Facebook. Um, And if you search Heart Centered Business Conference, you'll be able to find all the details of that conference too.
1: Awesome. We will link up the information for the conference as well as your Facebook group over on the show notes. I know just to clarify, your Facebook group is for women as is your conference. Um, but you yeah. are an amazing person to follow for information. Either way, I think both genders can benefit from some of the feminine energy that Tash brings to the, the party. Um, but that being said, you do focus on women. So I just want to point that out. Um,
2: yeah, I do have a few dudes who follow my Facebook page and all that kind of thing. Like, it's totally fine. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do specifically focus on uh, women's... Um, uh, Business and and uh, empowering women in the sales and marketing space. So yeah, it's mostly for women.
1: Yeah, perfect. Well, Tash, thank you again so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. And guys, we will link everything up in the show notes for you, uh, which I will give you the link for in just a second. But I just want to give you one more big thank you so much, Tash.
2: You're so welcome, Zach. And I love these cash chats. It's so awesome. So. Thanks so much for having me on the show, all the way from Dinky Dye, Australia.
1: Well, dang. I don't know about you, but I thought that was an amazing interview. I love how Tash talked about how not not all events are the same, but that not all events start out massively profitable, that it's about finding your foothold in the marketplace, figuring out what works for you and your audience, and figuring out what works for you and your business. So, I will keep this one short and sweet. If you want to get more, you can head over to heartsoulhustle.com forward slash 130. Again, that's heartsoulhustle.com forward slash 130 to check out the show notes, learn more about Tash, and get links to everything that we talked about today. I hope you have an incredible, incredible week, and I'll see you next time on the Heart Soul Hustle Podcast. Until then,
2: keep hustling.